Welcome to The Story Tinker, a place for in-depth analysis of stories, including Midnight Poppyland, Purple Hyacinth, and more. Co-hosted by sharp, witty, and dare I say, thirsty fans, we dive deep into every episode, analyzing character, relationship development, and so many theories. You can follow The Story Tinker right here on YouTube, as well as all podcast platforms. You can also follow The Story Tinker on Instagram and Facebook. For bonus content, sneak peeks, and more, you can support The Story Tinker on Patreon. If you like what you see, please like and subscribe. Thank you for listening to The Story Tinker, and let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 96 of Purple Hyacinth, Cordial, Cordial, Cordial Competition. And we're here with Meg. Hi! And we as soon as we can begin hyperventilating at this point because yeah, we just have to have moments to let our heart rate go down or yes. go up. Fully prepare for this like entire episode to just be us um, freaking out over like every single moment all the way up till the end because that's probably a great prediction. <laughs> It was when I read this last night, I was, my heart was pounding and it was just incredible. And then every time I thought about it throughout the day, my heart started pounding again, like not even, no joke. <laughs> I was, I got home really late from work last night when the episode updated and I was flat out dead. Um, and I just, I read the episode because it was nine o'clock. So why not? And it miraculously woke me up and I was <laughs> very energized. Yep. I, I read it like one in the morning. So yeah, <laughs> probably not the best time to read it. Um, <laughs> I actually considered, I was like, I should probably like really go to sleep now because I know once I read it, a, I'm going to have a harder time falling asleep. B, I'm going to want to be on the discord all night, which I'm very proud of myself. I did not. I was only on the discord for like 10 minutes hey. and then I went to sleep. Yeah. But anywho. Okay. So let's get started. Whew. Okay. So we open up with somebody scribbling a note slamming his hand on the table pulling up the note and like really rushing um you know we have a clack and it turns out it's march and march is speaking to this blonde officer which we think was officer halt he says officer halt did you also receive the message from loom yes but most of it was distorted we couldn't get much out of it only something about a factory and march says all right can you please watch the radio room while i'm gone i'll be back and then he yells into his his radio this is detective march i just received loon's message from the radio room I think we got an address. So, Meg, do you have any theories? Because yeah, I, I actually do. Already. <laughs> Don't hate me because I know you're probably going to come from like an angsty direction. Um, sure. Are I you? Okay, because I actually am for once. Um, okay. Oh my gosh. Okay. Officer Holt, I feel like that's the first time we've seen him. If it no, is, I've never cute. seen him. He cute. Yeah, I would remember him because I like blondes and I remember, I remember blonde people. <laughs> And I do not remember him. <laughs> yeah, and at this point, I think Will's like the only blonde, if I'm right. Is he? Is he the only blonde? No, well, was the guy at the warehouse, like last episode, who looked blonde, oh, but turned out he's really ginger. Like he's blonde in one panel. Hmm? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But so. we don't have any like main characters, people with names who have a blonde hair. So he's very noticeable and rememberable, I think. No. Um, and his hair is Mark- like white blonde. Will is a little bit more sandy, golden blonde. Yeah. So I know in like the last chapter, uh, situation with March and like the radio or whatever, they were getting somebody to fix it up. And I don't know if like they legitimately got the signal working better. 
Um, because part of me went to maybe the reason why March knew the address so quickly is because he already knew where they were. Emily, is it even the right address? That's my question. But like, no, we know it's the right address actually. Yeah, we know it's the right address, but I'm like, if that's the case, then what's the logic in March sending them, you know, straight there? I don't know. So I, I'm still of the conviction that March is good because I love him and I don't want him to be bad. I think we're just, we, we're used to like seeing suspicion in everything. If, yeah. If I wasn't like PH trained, yeah, I would be like, yeah, March is just getting a radio message and he's just writing stuff yeah. down. But because this is, you know, Purple Hyacinth, I'm like suspicious of everybody. <laughs> but not, so I don't know. I don't, I'm not really suspicious of March. Like, I think it's more likely yeah. that he's just a good guy, but it's always good to be on the cautious side and prepare yourself for all, you know, horror and heartbreak. And I, and I feel like the fandom has also kind of conditioned us to think that way, because to be honest, if we think back, who is the only betrayer? At this point, it's it's um, Harvey, right? That's mm, the only true. person who's actually, um, you know, and of course we have the prediction hanging over our heads that somebody's going to betray Lauren. So right. then we're like looking at everybody. But with the track record, it's only been one. And we're like almost episode 100 and it's been that's one. Good. So you know, that's a good point. Yeah, so us turning and thinking, oh, he's going to betray, you know, somebody's going to betray. Um, I think we're pointing fingers at too many people for the track <laughs> that it's already been established so far. Well, um, if we're going <laughs> to, I was going to say, if we're going to talk about parallels to communism, I mean, that's like the witch hunt with communism, obviously, was very prevalent there. <laughs> Anywho, so, okay, so March probably 80 percent 90 percent normal okay yeah I'm, I'm still praying that I mean I don't want anybody to be honestly I, I would rather nobody ever betray anybody I just want everybody to love each other and hold hands <laughs> that's too much to <laughs> yeah maybe for maybe for the story a little too much <laughs> so now we head into um back into the factory scene and we see the transmitters I guess or transceivers on the floor broken wires and a mic on the phone I mean on the floor and you know we hear a message I repeat message was not received which is what Kim is saying and meanwhile (laughs) Kieran has got the sandwich guard like pinned it's hilarious he's on top of him he's like cross-legged on him what's that called like a praying mantis position kind of Um, I I, I think of it as like the little brother position you know when the the little sibling claws on your back and like latches on or your kid or something that's what I think of, but I laughed. And Lauren, which Lauren was kind of like ticked. She's like, what are you doing? Did you not watch him? But the whole time Kieran was the one giving the message. So like, shouldn't Lauren have been watching the guy? I think it's a little bit, this is going to sound so sexist to me, but I think sometimes women have a tendency to, to rely on the guy to do things. Um, you know, like, oh, the guy should take out the bugs, the guy should take out the trash. Like there's certain roles are associated with men. And I think that Lauren does kind of rely on Keyword to do that because he's a guy, either that or because he has shown himself to be more physically aggressive than her. And like, she kind of expects like, oh yeah, any violent thing, you're going to do it because you're the, you know, you're the assassin. So maybe she's just expecting him to be. I don't know if that fits Lauren's character from what we know. And then there's also like the side that she was just so entranced by his sexy voice that she like, (laughs) that must be it. Um, But I I don't know if that's, you know it because I mean I don't think that's the narrative that any of the writers would be going for um I know what you're saying but at the same time I don't think that's yeah you know what was happening in the scene but I'm just like Lauren come on hold up your half come on girl yep 
<laughs> can't blame Karen for everything. <laughs> yep. So the phone is still crackling, goes, please crackle. So fine. So they're not getting any information. And Kieran has his mouth over the guy's hand and, uh, sorry, mouth and nose. Sorry, he has his hand over the mouth and nose. And eventually the guy um, is like, blacks out due to lack of air. And then Lauren's like, crap, didn't you, you didn't see him wake up? He pulled and, um, oh, I think Kieran says he pulled the wires from the ground and she's trying to like fix it, but it's not really working. She just sighs. And then she says, let's go back to the office and find a phone to contact the APD directly. It's only a matter of time before the guard wakes up or someone discovers we've been here. Yeah. <laughs> so meanwhile, Kieran is tying up the guard <laughs> with the wires. Oh, wait a minute. I can't remember if it was this panel or the panel before, like, uh, but throughout this whole chapter, this is just something to notice, like, as we're reading through, though, I am so paranoid of the guards getting good looks at Kieran and Lauren, because anytime mm -hmm. there's a zoom out in their face, you can see their fit features, their specifically their eye color, how their hair yeah. is coming out from their hats and their mask. I'm like, they're not really hiding their identities very well, especially if they're already on the radar for being loose. If they're already, you know, suspected. So mm -hmm. I, I, that makes me very nervous throughout this whole chapter. The amount of zoom-ons, zoom-ins on the faces as they attack the guards. It's, it's, it's disconcerting. Totally. I mean, I guess the question is, is what's going to happen, right? Because if the police come here and apprehend everybody or whatever, then will they want to be witnesses? Will they want to be like, will they be able to get away with saying, hey, these, you know, we were just regular employees doing our business and they, they came and attacked us or will it be obvious at that point that anyone who's in the factory at that point is phantom site so yeah know, but. at that point I'm more concerned about not them reporting to the police but more them reporting to the phantom site <laughs> okay uh, yeah because I feel like that would be so much worse <laughs> right yeah never mind wrong 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 fear yeah that's that's my anxiety anyway so because I'm good with anxiety. Yeah. You know how good I am with anxiety. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I'm kind of still operating um, on the theory that somebody in Fantasy is protecting Lauren, but that doesn't really explain the go after a loon and kill them part. So I don't think that can be both simultaneously. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I, I follow you. I still feel like there's something there, like, because Lauren's a little too immune and I don't think it's plot armor. Mm -hmm. um so I do I do agree with you I do think there's something there but them also going after Luna are they that arrogant to think that she's definitely not or maybe but we don't know who gives the orders is it actually the leader or is it the apostles we don't know so could it be that the person who's trying to protect Lauren doesn't even know about the you know the witch hunt for Loon so yeah. <laughs> So um, Kieran tells her, destroy the police scanner before we leave them. They've been using it quite enough, which I like because he's, he's kind of getting this feeling of alignment with the police. You know, like previously, he probably didn't have any attachment to the police, but now he feels like, oh, I'm on their side. I don't want them to, um, you know, get that information or like, it's he's kind of like joined the team. You know, I find that really nice. Yeah, and two weeks ago, you and Fruit were like, oh, he's going to betray. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I, I said, like, oh, look at him fighting on the side of the police. Isn't that nice? 
<laughs> okay, okay, okay. There was a lot of great stuff in this episode that made me feel all mushy inside. So like, whatever. But no, the truth is, even back then, I said that I think it's more likely he's not a betrayer. So I would just like to say that I never wavered once. Yeah. Ever? <laughs> Faith and was steadfast. I remained uncorrupted. <laughs> you have always been in his court. Forever. <laughs> I will remain there. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh. Okay, so she's like on it, and they're like, shh, shh. she clearly is destroying things. And now we're back with uh, Will and Kim, who are adorable and are standing oh. underneath. Yeah, I know they're so cute. So they're still underneath uh, Luna's restaurant, you know. Oh, oh my gosh, did the time change by the way on the clock? Because it says ten ten. I think it was ten ten last time also, but whatever, it's okay. <laughs> it has only been like maybe a minute anyway. So, and they're still standing there. They're kind of like both looking at the radios, like shh. And they're the even their stance is like kind of like eye rolling, like really, you know, like we can't hear anything. And then again, I stand by. I repeat, all officers stand by. And then Liddell and Lieutenant Hawks, please report. Right. And then I think it probably ends in precinct. At the end, all officers, Liddell <laughs> and Hawks, report to the precinct. And they look at each other. And again, it, you know, it's raining. There's blue lighting. It's just really, you know, beautiful. And Will says, this is Lieutenant Hawks requesting transport. We are at 547 Jeanette Street. And of course, I'm like, Jeanette? Who's Jeanette? Is there anything? <laughs> What's five four seven? What does it mean? What has this fandom done to our brains? <laughs> awful. Oh. Um, Hawks, please report to the police. We hear from the radio, Lieutenant, and clearly they're like not really communicating. Will says again, this is Lieutenant Hawks requesting transport, and then there's just again. So he just smacks his face and he's like, "This weather," and Kim says, "Will, there's something I always wanted to try in the rain." <laughs> Yeah, she grabs his arm and she's like, Are you ready to try with me, Lieutenant? And she winks, and that's where the heart is. <laughs> winks oh. and snores. It's so cute. And he's like, Huh? Because he, poor Will, <laughs> will never be able to anticipate this woman's moves. You would think that after enough time of being with her, yeah. he could predict what she would do, but nope. He's so like rigid. I don't think he can even allow himself. I don't think he has that level of imagination, <laughs> you know? It's so out of his realm that you can't even imagine her doing anything that he Yeah, would. like even when she was like breaking down how she was trying to, you know, how she's breaking down how she figured out who Loon was, he's still just kind of like, mm-hmm. Yes, right. but they're- He didn't make the connections. The other, yeah, he was just kind of like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Like not offering any opinions, not disagreeing with her, not agreeing with her. She's just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what are the facts? <laughs> yeah. He's probably like a very, um, yeah, in the box person. Like, um, I don't think like creative writing would not be his thing. You know, yeah. um, I had a, an engineer friend at the MBA program. So um, he was an engineer, like a nuclear sub submarine engineer. And, oh, wow. Yeah. So obviously a very smart guy, but he told mm-hmm. me that when he would take his, um, like, you know, the standardized testing, like GREs and whatever, that, you know, half of it is, is verbal stuff is like literary things and half of it is math. And he said he, when he would get a passage and you, you know, we'd have to read it and then answer questions about it. He said he basically had to guess because he wasn't able to read it and understand what he was reading. And whereas with math, like he's like math, I knew no problem. And I'm like, 
math I have to sit and break my head for, but like reading, comprehending, you know, language is like super easy. So yeah, I yeah. recognize that people have different kinds of brains. So Will strikes me as much more that like he can't make connections creatively between different information. Like if you give him a formula, he'll follow it. If you give him like do A, then B, then C, he'll do it. But like, I don't think he's skilled at being creative. <laughs> yeah. He would not make a great detective. Yeah. <laughs> So but even though it doesn't change that this this scene is pure magic. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's pure magic because he like is so innocent, doesn't anticipate. I know. It's just, as soon as she said there. there's something I want to do in the rain, I'm like, oh, of course she I was like, she's gonna sing in the rain, she's gonna dance in the rain. And Will's like, I don't know, what are you gonna do, Kim? <laughs> so she grabs I knew, him. I knew they weren't gonna kiss, but like the first thing that popped into my head was that iconic in the rain, um, yeah. upside down Spider-Man kiss. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I don't know that one. <laughs> but like, that's the first thing that, that, that reminded me. I like, I knew they weren't going to kiss, but like, mm -hmm. that's the first, that's the place my mind went to. That would be nice. <laughs> so she runs, <laughs> she runs into the rain and she's, you know, laughing, ha ha ha. And he's screaming. Ah! <laughs> he's so this poor guy's face is like, his mouth is wide open. It's just some rain, Will. Like, chillax. <laughs> but he's wondering he's like my wool overcoat will shrink oh my <laughs> dad, and then papa stefano will be mad at me <laughs> he'll deduct it out of my pay <laughs> oh man so now they're in a um red telephone booth typical london telephone booth he's sopping wet like he's dripping and can i just say like um blonde hair dripping water is a little bit sexy sorry <laughs> sorry food's not here she can't berate us for sipping <laughs> oh no i was right there with you i'm like hey will like i married a blonde man myself so <laughs> <laughs> oh I, it's crazy like i am i've been married to my husband for like 11 years and i still look at him i'm like every literally like once a day twice a day i'm like did you know your hair is gorgeous wow your hair is amazing can I touch your hair and I, like touch it I, I'm like I love it it's gone oh it's... he lets you touch it yeah <laughs> mine does not let me touch his it's it's, it's cruel oh that is cruel it's like it's kind of curly behind his ears too and it's super cute oh by the way I beg you shaves it all off like <gasps> like okay. as soon as it gets long enough where I think it's cute it's gone so when I was dating my husband, his hair was longish, like, you know, like long, like you could like flop it. And then he, one day without warning, he, he buzzed it. Like he cut it really short. Yeah. And when I saw him, I literally started tearing up. I was like, what have you done? <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one. Cause my husband will probably buzz his hair like a couple times. No, not a couple times, like four or five times a year. It's not great. Sorry. Sorry for your loss. Yeah. Yo, Yo is very nice. he, he knows not to anymore. Like he'll cut it shorter, but he doesn't cut it short anymore. See, I he... haven't earned that respect yet. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, the truth is, I have super long hair also. And every so often, I think I'm making it into a pixie cut. And he's like, no, no, don't do a pixie cut. I'm like, then you have to grow your hair too. <laughs> <laughs> the eyebrows, the eyebrows, Mindy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, see, my okay. husband was begging me to cut my hair just because it was like everywhere so oh, yeah that's funny <laughs> my hair is everywhere but it's worth it <laughs> my husband did not think so <laughs> oh sorry <laughs> it's okay it's fine it's easier anyway okay 
Well, it's still nice like this. Anyway, seriously derailed, but. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So back to um, sexy dripping Will. Uh, <laughs> he calls and Herman picks up the phone. Now, do you find it like a little odd that Herman is picking up the phone? Why? Hey, yeah, why is he patient at this hour? Like, presumably he's high up. Lou. What? Because the man's obsession. Because Loon, of course he's going to be there. Yeah, but I'm saying he didn't know that anything unusual was going to happen that night. He just thought it was a regular night. Like he has an administrative job. Like he doesn't have like the night shift, you know, like it's not the kind of thing that he would be doing. And also why is he picking up the phone? Like they have, he's too high up in rank to pick up the phone. Well, like, even I know with typical, like, it doesn't matter what your rank is, like uh, until you get up like to like beyond captains and that kind of thing. Like everybody has a graveyard shift. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. So I mean, I know that's how it is with the, I mean, I know a couple people who work in it right now and they're just, I mean, you can definitely have a bit more preference, but especially if like there's, you know, extreme conditions or people are spread thin, thin or whatever, the, the, even the higher ups will work graveyards. So. Okay. Well, thank you for correcting my, my misperception. <laughs> I actually do not be. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't really know people who work in the police force. So. Or it could be what you said too. He's just maybe there for other reasons too. There's definitely a, the possibility. <laughs> yeah. Or like you said, like maybe he is obsessed with, he probably is obsessed with his work. He does seem like the kind of guy who doesn't have a life, no wife, yeah. no kids, no pets, no hobbies. He's probably like, I must live and breathe and die for work. I mean, look at Herman. Does that look like the face of a man who has other joy in his life? <laughs> Poor guy. He needs. We need. It, he needs to start doing things. We need to teach him like golf or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's suitably boring. You, know? <laughs> you want to teach him creative dance instead? <laughs> I mean, ballroom dancing can be learned by anyone, and it's it's an amazing, definitely an amazing outlet. <laughs> And, and there are so many people lining up to ballroom dance with Herman. Sorry. <laughs> okay, that was so mean. I'm sorry. I regret saying that. I, I thought was... you were the one who liked Herman. I, 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 I'll dance with you, Herman. I'll do it. I can't touch you because I'm forbidden, but I'll, 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 I'll dance with you. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. But I, I do agree. It is, it is a little funny that he's the one that picked up the phone, not anybody else. Yeah. Okay, so he's like, this is Lieutenant Hawks requesting transportation to the precinct from Champlain Street and Maple. Oh, okay. And I, I was just, I, I think they're kind of like, they sound Canadian to me. <laughs> but, and um, Herman says, Lieutenant Hawks, I assume you were able to hear the message from Loon. Will says, I was able to hear part of it, but the crucial all the crucial details were missing. That seems to be the case with all the handheld radios. Our receiver in the precinct was able to pick up a stronger signal. It didn't differ much. We can only get a location out of it. The glass factory located on 73 Sherbrooke Street. Where is Sergeant Liddell? So did you, Sherbrooke Street, I was trying to remember the, what they said last time. Like if it, I don't know, because I thought it was L Street, L E Street, right? Didn't it end with um, L E Street? I have to go back and look. It might be a typo too. Yeah, um, pretty sure it did because I remember we talked about it last time. I'm going back. But anyway, so Liddell is, you know she has this like adorable smile she's like right oh, there. it was so cute she had this smirk it was so adorable no cuddled up with will in the telephone booth i know she was i don't know if like they recognize that this was like a shippy moment but we say it's a shippy moment oh it's totally a shippy moment are you kidding me yep. and i was just 
like to say that we don't know how long it took Randall to show up. So they were stuck in that cozy little phone box for an undisclosed amount of time. And Kim looked very happy both in the phone box and afterwards in the backseat of that car. I like your line of thinking. <laughs> I feel like there's a small little fan fiction in there. I feel like there's a scene there. <laughs> yep. In fact, I might write it. I might just go ahead and write it. <laughs> go ahead. So I am, oh yeah, okay. You know what? Yeah, I do. I went back to the episode. It says located at Business Oak Street, uh, OKE Street. So yeah, sure, Oak Street. That okay. Makes sense. Um, okay, so let's go back. So, so he tells them that they, he's sending somebody to pick them up and I'm doing this memory now <laughs> and that he, um, they have to go to the factory and check it out and stay covert. Okay, yeah, perfect. I'm sending a car to get you and take you there. I want you to scout out the situation and report right back to us. Stay covert and don't let anybody know you're there. Understood? Yes, sir. <laughs> I like how they're both dripping. And, you know, now we have a little bit later, we have a car coming up and who is driving it? None other than Lucas Randall. And they squeeze <laughs> and there's a guy <laughs> sitting in the car and he has like this five o'clock shadow and it's like typical, like a lot of criminals are portrayed in like, as a trope yeah. it's like they have five o'clock shadow it's it's just an interesting thing and <laughs> totally ignore him first and will's like herman wants us to go to the glass factory located on 73 sherbrooke street and lucas is like more babysitting if you two fight again i will crash this car oh hi, boom. so and he's like and i'll and only i'll be able to jump out because it's locked in the back seat hi Floop. hello sorry i'm a bit late I just no realized problem. I did not pick up my phone. <laughs> That's okay. So we are up to the great scene with Lucas Randall being crabby. <laughs> yeah, nice. Him in that adorable smile in the backseat. Oh my gosh. So this poor guy, he's like, why am I included in this? I only tried to steal the lamp from a weird lady's hair. <laughs> he's crying. I wanted him to be successful, not going to lie. I wanted him to get away with that crime. Yeah. Oh my God. She just comes in everywhere. That like, she probably crazy glued it because she's crazy. <laughs> it's hilarious. And then Quim just slaps her mouth over him and she's like, just, just, and it's just awful. He's like so nervous. This poor guy at the end I of his whole ordeal. Like Mm -hmm. I kind of felt like she was doing it because the guy, she's like she she knew exactly who he was talking about and she's like oh let's not remind Will of his of his of his harassment. Oh gosh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't even think of that. I just thought she was just being funny. Oh my god, this scene is so flippant comedic. And then we have we have a scene of the <clears throat> the wheel going splash in a puddle, and I was like oh my god, are they gonna spin tail? Are they gonna crash now? I was like terrified, but they don't crash. They just show up at the factory. <laughs> Vicky, your anxiety in this chapter. <laughs> so many things can happen. Okay, I'm reading right now like what I missed and I realized I have this one theory. I think it's just like, that's all like for now, okay. like for the first part that I missed. And it's that I was surprised that there wasn't more tension put on the fact that they didn't get the full address because it feels like that problem was solved really quickly and I was surprised by that because I thought they would have to spend this episode mm -hmm. figuring out where Loon was instead of actually getting to the factory 
but that's why we were we were also wondering like does the fact that March have the address did he actually get it from the from the transmission or like does he know mm -hmm. where they are is he so, sus or isn't he sus I last night I was thinking what if March knows the address because he was the, because he helped organize the nitroglycerin down there and he is Chantam Scythe in that case, but the reason he's revealing this address to everyone else is because he thinks Lauren is Loon, and if he knows that Loon is down there and he doesn't want Lauren to die, then he's going to have to give up the address. Oh, sorry, I couldn't hear you. Yeah, so he's with, he wants Lauren to be safe, but he also is Chantam Scythe, which is, is possible. Yeah, in terms of like, discuss that a little bit. Plus, um, March has already lost a daughter a daughter in his life. I don't think he needs to lose another daughter figure. <laughs> yep. Or maybe he's also like a double agent for the Phantom Scythe. Uh, maybe he's working, you know, with them and just kind of like getting information while only pretending to be on their side. Is it bad that it doesn't matter to me and I love him either way? <laughs> No, double agent, meaning like he's on the good oh, side. Oh, yeah, he's but just if pretending. he's a double agent or if he's actually working for the Phantom Scythe, like either way, I love Oh, yeah, him. okay. <laughs> Got it. Well, okay, listen, I mean, once we can handle Kirian, we can handle anyone. <laughs> right? <laughs> they, don't, they don't all have to be dashing for us to forgive them. <laughs> oh, no, I just, March is just pure. And up to this point, from what I know, and I love him for just supporting our girl. He's like a golden retriever. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> okay, well, we'll find out more because I do think that it was kind of a little, I think it was like emphasis placed on, on the whole March thing in the beginning. Like he's never been like the introduction of an episode. So anywho, either maybe we're reading too much into it. Who knows? We'll see. So anyway, we're back at the factory and Lauren says it was Kim on the other end earlier. And um, if they come out and don't know there's nitroglycerin here, it's going to be really bad because nitroglycerin is very reactive. And like, as we see drunk Joe, he just dropped one bottle and he went up in flames. So if there's mm -hmm. any mistake, like if there's, if somebody shoots and it lands on a bottle, like they're all dead. Yeah. So yeah. moment of silence for dead, for drunk Joe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he will always be remembered. He will be very well remembered. Hmm. The atmosphere does have me wondering, though, because it is raining, it's wet. Is nitroglycerin still able to catch fire? Like yes, that's this? one of the things about it that it's oh, no. so dangerous. It's, I mean, even it's one of those things that, um, well, I, I know I, I live close to a lot of mountains and it's what it was used to make a lot of the roads. They would like drill holes in the rocks and, you know, um, stick the explosives down in there. And I mean, that's one of the reasons why it was so effective. Mm. yeah plus okay. they're inside a building the building is dry yeah big boom boom <laughs> oh god stop you have to stop making my heart pound this is gonna be awful okay let's forget <laughs> um so Kieran's like yeah let's find a phone before this place turns into a firework <laughs> sorry <laughs> oh my god I'm just thinking of the song baby you <laughs> sorry <laughs> Oh my god. Great time for some Katy Perry. Let's go. Yeah, what if like 
that's just, just that's the song that plays next chapter. No, <laughs> no. everything goes wrong. No, uh, I think I'd get copyright, but that would be funny. <laughs> oh gosh! So unfortunately, they are arrested by a flashlight. <laughs> I could sing so many songs. I have this when I get in the mood. It's like you know, I, a word triggers a song. So now I'm like, yeah. like flashlight. Oh flashlight. yeah. <laughs> Anywho, Karen's like, there's someone. And there's this guy, and he was the guy from before, right? He's one of the guys who was talking. Mm-hmm. And he's like, huh? Hacks open the door. There's again the very comedic moment of like, mm? and then Lauren and Karen go, mm? <laughs> and he grabs his gun. Lauren's like, shit, he can't shoot. It's the, it's the guy grabbing the gun, right? Yeah. Yeah. The PS guy. And she grabs a chair and throws it at him, and he drops the gun, flies in the air. And many fans have noted that there is a lot of chairs and this is finally the chair getting what it deserves because there's apparently a chair blocking the view of something that Kieran is looking at in his room. And we're like, well, what's he looking at? Is the chair blocking it? So now the chair is getting its due. It's not the chair that we want to get its due though. So yeah. <laughs> it's a for, for harbor of the future. All chairs will be removed eventually. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was loud. <laughs> <laughs> so he falls into the wall once again he starts yelling huh but then kieran shoves him and says shut up it's quite intense and we have a nice view of him and there's that and, zoom in that made me nervous i was yeah. just like we're really studying kieran's features in this panel is the guy noticing this uh, seriously this is where we're going <laughs> yeah oh, no, no, not in a simping way in a theory way oh yeah, like, this is like but, hmm. I was thinking more Lauren because those pensive eyes seem to be unforgettable, right? But like, I don't remember as far as like in conjunction with um, one of the PS members in this chapter, the only one that gets a really good zoom in on its face, I think, is Kieran. And it very much worries me. Yeah, it's true. I mean, Kieran has some bright blue eyes. I'd be surprised. And people know what he looks like in the Phantom Scythe. So... I don't know how he's going to get away with this. Lauren should have gotten them like those eye masks that the police use. Masks. You know, they should learn from bank robbers. <laughs> get I mean, stalking. more reason for Karen to go underground with Lauren, I guess. So, <gasps> Ooh. Wait, wait. I'm still oh on God. that train. That is simping level one thousand. If they have to be I on the run together. On that for you guys were all about like Karen's gonna be for Lauren, and I was all like underground, <laughs> yes. like yes. the whole time. They have to live together. Oh my God, that would be amazing. <laughs> I would. I am so down. No surprise there. Yeah. <laughs> Whew. Oh my god, that would be amazing. Okay, I can't hope for that because I'll be disappointed. Anyway, Kieran <laughs> bams the guy's head into the brick wall. Uh, unsurprisingly, he is knocked unconscious, if not worse. And um, he thumps down. Lauren's like, you know, she she's sweating, I think, because, you know, she obviously recognizes the guy has to be, like, eliminated in some fashion, but I think that she's recognizing that her situation comes with a lot of things that she's probably not comfortable with, um, you know, I don't she think she realized, right, I mean, that's, that's what happened when she took this deal, right, um, well, 
you know what? She probably didn't think it through. She probably was so hell bent on getting her way that she was like, in the back of her mind, she probably knew that it would lead to compromising situations, but I doubt she allowed herself to think it through thoroughly because she didn't want to say no. Like she wanted to do it so badly. I don't like, I know this sounds a little, she hasn't, like Karen has experienced the, um, the, the violent, the, the bloodlust, the actual physical violence of uh, the Phantom Scythe. He's experienced that firsthand. Mm-hmm. This is kind of Lauren's first actual personal, you know, taste with it, I guess. Like she's never experienced herself. She's seen obviously mm-hmm. the, the train station tragedy, but she's never been in a situation to be on the receiving end personally and now she is and that this is the first if we're discounting the situation in the alley with um sake and 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 bella this is like one of the first times that she's been on the receiving end of like some one-on-one yeah Yeah. she had there was 26 and 27 yeah there was um with the goons right like these goons yeah but like as far as like what we've seen more detail of i guess like that one was kind of quick yeah yeah it was over the span of two episodes like it wasn't a lot like the later half of one and the first half of the other yeah <laughs> yeah i mean she's yeah i agree she's not as experienced as him like he knows what he has to do and yeah. what the life is and she is just getting stepping into it honestly and, what confuses me oh sorry you go what? sorry you go no go ahead oh no sorry i didn't need to cut you off i thought you were done no, I'm just going to continue to the next panel. Oh, okay. Something that confuses me is that I don't, Lauren confuses me like where she stands on this because one moment she's like, why don't you just kill them? Which is how we, like she said that in season one, but when put in practice, she's very hypocritical in that sense. Like on paper, she's like, yes, it makes sense to just kill them. you know get them out of the way but then when it comes to like the actual murder if murder is needed she gets incredibly mad as we found out in the last season and so i think it's that same detachment idea that she's not the one doing it physically Mm -hmm. yeah actually so it's not it's she's it's she's detached from it from a sense she's used to the idea of kieran killing so that's nothing new but the idea of her actually like being present or actually participating in such a thing, she's just like, Mm-mm. she's she's never drawn a correlation between the two, I think. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. She is comfortable with the idea until she's involved. Yeah, because she has I think that also plays into the whole like, um, the whole APD issue a bit. I don't want to get much in the APG because the episode wasn't about that but, yeah, but she the only does the, acknowledge the it yeah but if we talk in terms of like episode 80 sorry not 80 um 68 Lauren knows that the APD is an oppressive force but she doesn't really start to question it until Kieran pulls herself into the issue where he talks directly to her and he's like are you any better or something like that yeah no I see what you're saying and continue to talk I'm going to get a phone charger so okay (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, I think that, I think that's one of the big issues Lauren is coming to deal with throughout this whole story is, you know, morality and how, you know, she's been privileged enough to not have to deal with sticky issues. But when you're in a complicated situation, sometimes you don't really have a good choice. You have like a bad choice and a worse choice and you have to figure out which one is which. So, you know, she's finally going into the world of the gray. So anywho, the next part is hilarious because they start competing. And then that's the, the name of this episode is, you know, cordial competition. So Kieran turns to her and he's like, that's two to zero, Sinclair. Didn't think you'd be so out of shape. And she's like, don't worry, I'll have no four-eyed archi uh, archivist outscoring me. So like, ah, oh, did you just call him a four-eyed archivist? First of all, what is wrong with that? I never got, I'm wearing glasses right now, but like, what's wrong with being four-eyed? Oh, what's wrong with being an archivist? <laughs> but I guess you're saying, implying that, you know, an archivist wouldn't be um, physically, you know, powerful necessarily. Anywho, so that's the start of that. And they hear more footsteps and they're like delightful. Kieran's like, seems like we've made a great deal of noise. There's more coming. And now we go back to the patrol car. It's still raining. He's speeding along. And Lucas um, op opens the door and tells, tells them, you two are soaking wet. Change out of your coat. There's equipment in the trunk of the car. I was ordered to wait for you guys. The car will be parked in the alleyway on Mill Street. Find me there. And they're getting out. They're changing their coats. And as, as they close the trunk, the prisoner is like, please don't leave me alone with him. <laughs> Lucas Randall is apparently very, very intimidating. I know it's completely unrelated, kind of, but like as soon as you read, read what um, Randall was saying, like instead of, you know, your clothes are soaking wet, change, I heard, your clothes are soaking wet, take off your shirt, like Lauren did. All right. Yeah. <laughs> My brain is cool. <laughs> Oh boy, poor guy. All he wanted to do was steal a lamp. Now he has to be stuck with Lucas Randall. <laughs> oh, he was going to be comedic relief. And yeah, and both of them as Lucas speeds away are like, poor guy. <laughs> so now we're back in the factory and we have these two women, um, you know, PS guards coming down the hallway with their flashlights. They're like, oh my God, we hear a lot of noise. What's going on, right? They're walking down the hallway. They, they flash their light into the room. They see nothing. They look at each other, but then they draw their guns and they are simultaneously walking into the room. At which point, whack, the doors get slammed on their faces and boom, they fall down. Doom. <laughs> it's hilarious. It is so cute. I mean, it's hilarious. And it's, it's just adorable. It's like, don't you love it when your ship are knocking out people together? Yeah, it's great. Yes. And then the next panel is the best panel in like PH history. They low-five each other. Oh my gosh. I was, oh my gosh. There's I was talking to some people last night about these this moment because I think. You guys are going to hate me for saying this, yeah, but I, feel I can like already these, tell that tone in your voice is not something. It is not I a simple like, tone. I am very nervous. I feel like we missed a chapter or two of bonding between them where we saw Kieran be more hesitant and become more comfortable in calling her like pet names again and just being sarcastic with her because, yeah, they were like kind of comfortable after 93. He still didn't tell her about what had happened with the messenger and I don't think he was comfortable 
really like, telling her until he was back into the corner um, when she found out. So I, and then the last time they saw each other before that was like at work. And then the time before that was 84 and 83. And they didn't spend too much time there together. So from basically going from the circus arc to this in terms of their relationship, really, and I guess 80 and what in 81, whatever happened there. It feels a bit out of place. It feels like from 81 to 96, we were missing a few chapters of bonding. I see where you're coming from, but at the same time, my perspective on Kieran, as far as like how he's progressed again to going back with using the pet names and the banter and that kind of thing, he Lauren has taken the lead on it. Like everything that she's done, he's only copied if she's taken the step first. Like she brought the nicknames back first and only then did he start using nicknames again once she did again first. Like, I don't know, like if I'd have to go back and see how consistent that is, but like any step that they've taken till to rebuilding that relationship, Kieran hasn't extended anything that Lauren hasn't done first. Like Mm -hmm. she made it very clear that, okay, I want you back in my life to a certain degree. So therefore he wasn't going to open up and tell her about his troubles and his pain because he didn't feel like that was his place anymore. And now it's coming back to where it is kind of his place again, but Lauren had to be the one to take all those steps. So I, I, I get as far as like, I, me personally, I would love to see more bonding, obviously. Um, but I don't feel like it's too unexpected from Kieran, at least, just because he's just copying Lauren in a sense. Mm-hmm. But I think he still should have been a bit more apprehensive, like just him as a character. Because although, yes, we had 93, I think Kieran's still a bit awkward around Lauren because although they are trying to move forward, Lauren's the one initiating it, right? As you said, he's more following her steps and Lauren may be going at a pace that he's not comfortable with yet. I can see that contrary. I think that Karen is somebody who starved for affection and connection. And I think that like you said, when, as soon as somebody throws him a bone, like he jumps on it, like a dog who's like, you know, needs that. Like he wants it. We've seen it from the story that he does, especially in um, Blake Bluff, where I think it was very obvious that he was trying to protect her and that he cared about her. Like he legitimately cares about this girl, but he's, so if she extends just a little bit of her hand, he's going to be there waiting for it. So I mean, that's my take on it, but I understand wanting to see more bonding to see them come to that point. But I think there's only so much time that the authors can do without dragging down the pacing of the story itself. Mm -hmm. I think the pacing overall is uh, the pacing overall in PH is always outstanding, but I think their relationship has been a little rushed, at least in these last few episodes, because I I saw them that they were going to be back as Loon, but it feels like they're trying to bring back the season one Loon dynamic with Lauren being more, with Lauren participating in it more. It feels like the season one Loon dynamic, but the thing is we're not in season one anymore. It, we're in season two and they're, they've been through more stuff together at this point. So, but how do you think that would change their dynamic 
you know, if we if we were to like, you know, read these chapters, you know, expecting that dynamic, do you think it would be like silence? Do you think the banter would be different? Like, what were you expecting to see? I, I just, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. It just, it gives me a feeling that like 81 and 93 didn't really happen. And that this is the point that would have they would have gone to if 43 had never existed. So they would have naturally progressed to this point anyways. And I feel like that even though they are healing from 43, it should still be acknowledged in their relationship that yes, that happened, but we are working past it. And that is the feeling I was getting from previous episodes. But at this point, it doesn't really feel as acknowledged as it was before. Because again, it feels like the season one moon dynamic. I mean, I, I get that. I mean, I'm definitely getting the same vibes as far as their banter and you know how the scenes go and everything like that. It does feel a bit more like season one. Um, but me personally, I don't see that as a bad thing. I still think there's a lot of hesitance there that just because we know of the characters and how they act under pressure, they make jokes. They they do sarcastic stuff. I mean, that was that seems to be their knee jerk reaction under pressure too. Mm-hmm. But I get what you're saying though. I definitely do. As far as because yeah. it was obviously such a major thing. I mean, I think always more time would be better to see. But then again, once again, the pacing of the story and how, I don't know what they've got plans or, or for mm-hmm. the characters. So I can see them wanting to move them on track with a good relationship like before as quick as possible while still being sensitive to the events that already happened yeah there's not they're almost done with um the first half of season two and there's clearly a lot they have to get through so it's understandable why um there is no um episode like that and honestly the story works fine without it it was honestly just a nitpick but yeah I mean I get you know reading things and then feeling a vibe and feeling like it's off yeah I I totally get that Okay, this is going to sound like really weird, but it feels like there, it feels like episode 93 was parallel to them first when, when they met for the first time. And then these episodes are like their first loon mission. There were a few episodes where they got to know each other more again, or where they got for the first time actually in 10, 11, and 12. And it feels like we're missing the equivalent of those episodes. Okay. Makes sense. It probably doesn't. They're not they're starting about... over, but they're not starting over, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like I think there was a period where they needed to just, you know, kind of not be on a loon mission and not be trying to heal a ton of trauma. Like they just needed a moment like right before this. I think that sometimes we're, we can maybe assume things are happening behind the scenes because we do know that there's been a few days. So we kind of can assume they've at least been communicating to prepare for this, right? So like maybe they, you know, it's a, we're supposed to assume that they've been talking and, you know, getting partnering during that time. Yeah. And to this extent too, as far as like, I feel like 93 was like, okay, let's start over. You're my partner again. Let's go from there but they already did know each other and there's mm-hmm. things that they know about each other that, you know, they've been through a lot, but to, with each other at this point. Mm-hmm. So there is oh, yeah, of course. already, you know, base there. Um, and the comfort level, I think once they've got that trust sort of rebuilding that I think it was 
pretty easy for them to go back because you know they're totally meant for each other and they're soulmates no (laughs) yeah I think just in general it is like even though like you guys said it is kind of obvious and we should make the assumption that they did spend time together in those days between 93 and um whatever is going on in this arc and but I think just reading it like if you take a step back and reading it it is a bit jarring to go from them being very intimate not in a romantic way but more of a platonic way like them going very intimate Mm -hmm. and them trying to heal from like one of the most traumatic things in the series so far to Kieran calling her love and even if Lauren is initiating it now it just on Kieran's end at least it feels a little weird for me personally both of them aren't ready to talk about it directly yet because it's a big deal and I think that it would be too too vulnerable and too deep and too um, personal to talk about yet. I don't think they're ready to do that. So I think they're, they're you know, it's in the back of their minds probably whenever they see each other. And we know that Kieran thinks badly of himself and Lauren thinks of it. Like they both think about it, but I don't think they're ready to discuss it with each other yet. I think that would require a lot more honesty between them that and the level of vulnerability that they're not ready to go to yet. Yeah. Yeah, I can and, definitely see that. Yeah. And the apology that needed to happen happened quite quickly in that closet too. Like the the first thing that needed to be said was the, wow, I that was, whoa, not, <laughs> you know, Kieran's kind of apology in that closet, his sincere promise to not hurt her friends and that nothing would happen to them by him. Like that was the biggest thing that was gnawing and they've already taken, taken care of that. And of course, mm-hmm. I do think they need to discuss it again, but the most pressing matter, I think, is they you know him acknowledging it and talking to her um has already happened so yeah I this is weird but since it already happened but I also kind of hope that he does apologize again for it if they get that scene where they like sit down and actually talk about it probably in the future but I hope he apologizes again because while it was great that he did apologize in 57 I feel like Lauren although she was paying attention to him I don't think she was really ready to open up either about what happened so I think it'd be nice to see them discuss it and for him to apologize at a point where they're both open to discussing it and a point where he can see that she accepts it too because at that point she wasn't accepting anything from him (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna interrupt this move to go back to the simping mood because our next panel is crazy because they are both holding the bodies of these slumped guards. And Kieran says, that still only counts as one love, three to one. Lauren says, we're only getting started. He called her love, okay? If this is not a complaint. And she doesn't say anything. Like she doesn't say, she doesn't react. She's just like, yep, let's go with it. (laughs) I'm enamored. Just, Just these two panels. Oh, like they can I can forgive soap and f for all the anxiety they're going to cause us over the next week and like the blood pressure medication I'm going to have to take because of these two panels oh goodness just going to go back you've got your screenshots you're just going to keep looking at it and looking at it until it's all happy again no I actually don't do that I don't I don't gaze at screenshots I think because I'm a very visual person and I, I have a very good imagination I can just see it in my head plus I don't have time like to sit there and look at my screen but 
but yeah, I can definitely recall it quite easily in my head. So yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I, by the way, I totally think that this does indicate like the, what I mentioned before, how Kieran's like a puppy dog and he just wants to be loved. I think that this is his way of kind of like letting it out. He can't hide it. Like, I don't know if he loves, knows, recognizes he loves her or that he has feelings for her, but I think that it's kind of unconsciously coming out because he's so lonely and he's so desperate for like connection and she's the only person in his life that as far as we know at least that really is has that connection with him we don't know of any other friends that he has so I think that it's just his desperate yearning to connect with somebody else that makes him say that but my mean I don't know <laughs> I don't know if I should say this because I'm in a zoom call with two very big lucky shippers but is that healthy do you think Karen getting a lot of his like relationship needs not like oh. romantic but just in general like from one person it's not really fair to Lauren oh, of course not he needs you know human beings need family friends mm -hmm. you know they need a bunch of things there's this um you know Esther Perel she's uh she's like a psychologist and she talks about relationships a lot so she's, she has this, this concept where she says that people used to understand that you would get different needs from different people. Like you would get support from your family with your, with your, with your kids. You would get, you know, for big life events, you would get support from your community. For intellectual stuff, you would go to teachers. For, you know, fun, you would go to your friends. For shared hobbies, you would go to people who have those hobbies. For, you know, physical affection, you go to your spouse. But now people expect it all from one person. They expect that one person to solve all their needs and be there everything. And it's unrealistic. So of course, like no way mm -hmm. Kira needs a yeah, full yeah. social life with all like the psychological and emotional components but right now he only has Lauren so I don't think he's not putting in demands on her um but of course like in order at some point I mm -hmm. mean if I don't know how the story is going to pan out but like if the story ends with Kieran having a normal life he's going to need a full you know a full array of human you know needs yeah, yeah. just I guess Healthy, because of the... it's not, but it's his reality. Mm -hmm. I guess because of the end of the episode, Kieran will um, be able to be more open with two more people at least. But for now, I just hope that he isn't being super dependent on Lauren. I think he is, but and I don't think that's a good thing or even a bad thing. I think at this point, it's all he's got. So I'm glad he has at least that, but I mean, mm -hmm. I don't think it's healthy for either one of them. But like I said, it's the reality of a situation. I don't think he's displaying any neediness. Like he isn't, he isn't doing anything out of the ordinary yet, but for sure, if he doesn't at some point get more, I mean, he survived on his own all this time, right? And yeah, but this yeah, is the yeah. first person he's letting in his, in his walls, like that he's trusting. So I think that like, he's still being very cautious, even with her, like he hasn't opened up to her. She's opened up to him. He really hasn't opened up to her. Mm -hmm. So he's still very, very cautious, but you know, we hope that as he learns to trust more people and let's totally talk about that when we get to it, because I have my own thoughts on that mm -hmm. when we get to the end, um, let's hope that he can, he can build healthy relationships with a lot of people. Yeah. Okay, but Mindy, didn't you just call Kieran a puppy dog? <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean we all call it we call him baby Kieran we call him like yeah it's a, you know our baby assassin puppy dog that's just how it is <laughs> local disappointment football like it's pun into the sky <laughs> yeah nicknames anyways <laughs> 
yeah. at this point I'm still very focused on love yeah no it's but, oh yeah love. Oh, oh that's also what I want to ask do you think Kieran has romantic feelings that he hasn't rec- yeah. that he hasn't recognized because that's what you guys were it kind of seemed what you guys were saying earlier I think so I do think he does. Um, here's some other evidence that I have for it. I mean, there, I think there's a lot of evidence of physical attraction for her, but the physical attraction to me, I don't know if 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 he, he at least, and maybe other people can, but I think when people are, when he is physically attracted to someone, it also comes with personal attraction. So like the times when when he admires her, when she's wearing the salt, the dress in episode 20, when they go dancing, when she's all dressed up and then when she's in his house and he sees her in the, in the shirt. I don't think that's, I don't think that was just physical attraction. I think that was like, wow, that's an intimate moment. She's in my shirt. She's in my house. She's been sleeping. Like what kind of, you know, this is a personal, personal situation. So I do think that things like that, um, there was another moment when he gave her that look, but yeah, I I do think that he has on, he has feelings that he probably doesn't think about because it's so out of the realm of his reality. I think he probably thought he was going to have to live his life alone and die alone. And he probably is on a suicide mission with this thing. He probably figured, you know, I'm going to die really young, a early violent death trying to take down the leader. So I don't yeah. think he would, he recognizes it consciously, but I do think that it's trying to come out, you know, without him even being able to control it. Yeah. I think back to that night where she's like sleeping in his room and he's cleaning the floor and he's like, why did I bring her here? I've never brought anyone here. And, and then we, you know, we can see his drawing room and he sees the portraits that he's drawn of her. Like, I think part of him, he wants to, but at the same time, he doesn't believe that he deserves it because of that self guilt thing. So I think it's definitely there, but he's kind of pushing it away just because like I said, he doesn't think he deserves it, which is super sad. Mm-hmm. As, as much as I want to, or would like to believe that Karen does have romantic feelings, I think it's a little early, honestly, because for Karen at least, and Lauren, I mean, we're only a hundred episodes in less, and this is BH stuff is going to get dragged out. Because I think what's important now is not that they're developing romantic feelings, that but that they're evolving into friends, and I don't want their friendship to be cut short by a romantic relationship right now when they've just barely gone over the hurdles of their relationship so I I don't think romance should really be an important part of their relationship right now because they're still trying to figure out how to be friends I get that It'll but it's not going to stop freaking out if he calls her love and they touch hands and mm-hmm. like every little sliver of a board that I can use to build a ship is there like <laughs> I understand that the characters aren't there for it but I'm there for it <laughs> a plank yeah, of I don't think Soph and F will rush Fair them into love. I think I think it'll be a very slow development mm-hmm. I definitely think the friendship part will be there first I'm not hey. worried about them they they're not they're not simps like us mm-hmm. yeah but okay. hey nothing builds you know strong ties than shared trauma that's, mm-hmm. that's life and death situations Yep, yeah, some I think emotional ties right there, romantic or not, that builds some connections right there just because they were there for it with you. So mm-hmm. I I just think I think both of them right now are both platonically, like they both like each other platonically. I can't really see Kieran um falling for her romantically yet because I think he's just mostly afraid of what happened again, like, you know, with 43. And then also, um, what was I going to say? 
I just don't think it's really on their minds right now. So I no, guess Kieran wouldn't recognize it if it wasn't on their minds. But I think also that Kieran isn't really the type of person to romantically fall for someone like that early on. And yes, he did have the pet names, but they were more of like to tease Lauren. And I think the love like is just the new incarnation of darling. I actually think Kieran is the kind of person to fall in love fast. I don't think he's falling in love now. I think he's, he doesn't recognize it for sure. But I think yeah. that if Kieran hadn't been raised in an assassin and had his whole traumatic youth, I think he would be um, very affectionate, very fast, passionate, fall in love fast. I totally think that's his, his inherent personality. Yeah. And there's always, like I said, that, that conscious versus subconscious thing. Consciously, he might be one thing. Subconsciously, um, something else growing there. And I think subconsciously, Personally, I think it's entirely romantically affectionate from that perspective. Well, as consciously, he's looking for more of, I just want her to not hate me point. (laughs) (laughs) This is is ironic because to me, like in my own interpretation, I can see Kieran valuing his friendships more than a romantic relationship because I think, I guess it's also partly because of who he is because of his trauma but like even without the phantom size I think his friend he would be more focused on making friends with people and like being close with his friends like you said Mindy he's an affectionate person being close with his for that he would be again a bit more apprehensive and wait till he got to know someone really well before he realized he would have been he would have fallen at that point so I think that I think that for both of us, I recognize it for myself and, and you tell me if, if you think it's working for you. But I think that maybe our personalities are coloring our interpretation because I know both my husband and I fell in love in literally a week. Like I met him on a Sunday, Saturday, we were like, we were like, we were getting married. Blonde date, never saw him before my life. So we were both <laughs> like, we were both very fast, fall in love. You're my one and only like in a second. So I think that, you know, that's coloring my interpretation. Of yeah, I, I, yeah, I would agree. You're probably me, much more of a, it sounds like, you know, friendship person than heavy, you know, rushing into love person. So yeah, <laughs> I'm right there with you, Mindy. I think it's probably coloring mine too. Cause like yeah. my husband was my first crush. So <laughs> yeah, I think I would rather just like, you know, go out and like, experiment see like what is out there instead of going directly into something because you never really know yeah but sometimes you don't know until you meet that right person either like I didn't know that's true it seems like yeah you guys like your relationships are great it seems so I mean it could really go either way great I have I have lots of words to tell you if we could talk about some (laughs) great includes lots of ups and downs but yeah, I mean, but you are ultimately happy, right? With your relationship. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, there were like, there were some years where it was terrible. Um, you know, we both went through a lot of things in our life and, um, mm-hmm. you know, it was very difficult during those years, but we made it through and now we're, you know, now we're good again, but you know, just anyway, but that's like a whole soliloquy on marriage, which is a little bit outside mm-hmm. the purview of this podcast. <laughs> So let's go back to the scene. This is a great discussion, but I could totally talk about relationships because I, I love it. It's my favorite, one of my favorite topics, but I could totally tell you my whole private life story. I have no sense of privacy. So <laughs> any juicy details, I will relate. 
So anywho, they're dragging them. And Lauren's like, well, we're only getting started. So she has this competitive spirit. And they, I don't know what they did with these two ladies, but they're gone. <laughs> they're <laughs> <running out> to, <laughs> they they shoved them in the hole. They just <laughs> throw them under the trap door. Like bodies. <laughs> Lock them in. <laughs> oh, gosh. I, I mean, at some point, they're going to wake up. So we'll see if we see these characters again. <laughs> So they run into the hallway and now we're back to, uh, we have a rain, more rain, there's thunder, there's lightning. It's like the storm is picking up and suddenly we see, you know, the factory floor and clang, the lights go out. Of course, <laughs> drama. <laughs> of course, everything had to go wrong in one, in one instant. <laughs> Okay, both of you, on a scale of one to 10, how much did you go, like the heart drop feeling into the stomach, how, scale of one to 10? Um, I don't remember. I just, the whole episode was like a heart pounding for me. I, I don't, I don't, it was just, it just kept getting like worse progressively. I don't remember this particular moment. I think it's not that my heart dropped. It's just that my mind went, we should have seen this coming. <laughs> and of course. it's like my mind just went they had it coming they had it coming yeah they only had themselves to blame that in the lightning <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. but yeah, yeah it, they only had themselves to blame with the next arc. part at least this thing like I'm usually like what the kind of um stories I'm attracted to have always been focused on the internal like about psychology and relationships and that's what I tend to read and watch but I have to admit, like this whole episode is just thrilling and it's going to get even more thrilling if Soap's Instagram story is any indication, which it is, and I'm totally anxious. <laughs> okay, well, let's discuss that afterwards. So lights are out. They stop in the hallway and they're like, the power. Duh. And Lauren's like shivering a little. She's like, I can hardly see anything. And they're tap- they hear tap taps down the hallway, completely dark. They can barely see. And Lauren says, there are more guards coming. Karen says, I think that's two. (laughs) Okay, I'm just going to finish reading through the whole thing so we can get through it. There's tap tap, Lauren's sweating, Karen's sweating. They're both looking nervous. And there's more tap taps coming down the hallway again. And then there's a whoosh. Somebody's sticking a gun out of that hallway. Lauren's horrified. She grabs the gun, pushes it up, and then pushes it down. Like the gun falls on the floor. She pushes the person against the wall. The person is wearing an APD uniform. The person has the silhouette of a woman. And she puts her hand back to punch this person. There's a foosh. Suddenly, the red light emergency light goes on. Her fist is about to punch that person's neck. Lauren, I see Lauren's face. Her golden pensive eyes are wide open because she is about to punch Kim in the face. And the last panel, we have Kim just looking in complete shock and then the two of them are staring at each other and she's about to punch her oh my god oh my god Whew. you good mindy you good no i am not i am not and i'm not and we have a whole week okay we have a whole week oh my god okay how did you guys react after this one down one down oh my lord no I can't I really can't 
is it bad that my mind's like, wait a minute, what is the electrical system in this, in this town that, you know, what they've got emergency lighting and it's red. That's well, what? Like, that's where my mind went. Like, what's the modern, you know, is that what you think about at a time yeah. like this? I married an electrician. Yes. That's where oh, my mind okay. goes. That's true. You are married to an electrician. Probably my favorite thing that I've seen regarding that scene is it, it was from Viv on the PH Discord. And she said that the red lighting indicates how Lauren lied to Kim. I know I actually wrote that down I did I did write some stuff down and that was one of the things I wrote oh my god that is like impactful okay so let's let's discuss this is crazy because it just shows like she first of all shows the links that Lauren is willing to go right and then Kim not only has she recently discovered or guessed that Lauren is loon now she's faced with like she comes to this factory she doesn't know what's going on she just knows loon's there she's like maybe maybe it will be lauren probably she doesn't know for sure and suddenly she's about to be punched in the face by lauren i mean this is like massive best friend shock i'm not gonna i don't know about betrayal i so here i do think kim how do you think Kim is gonna react i think kim is capable of holding complex thoughts in her brain i yeah. think I think, I don't know if they'll have it heart to heart right now because like, there's like a lot of stuff they have to do, but I think Kim could handle it. Like I yeah, think Will not, I, was thinking. I think Kim can handle it for, and then discuss afterwards when the time is right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I've been wanting to talk about this because all I see is people going, oh, Kim's going to be so upset. Kim's going to be so mad at Lauren. And I really, really can't see that. Yeah, I same. think Kim, I there. I don't see Kim getting mad. Yeah, I think Kim is the most empathetic person in the series. And that may seem a bit weird saying since um Lauren and Kieran are right there, but I don't think Lauren's super empathetic. And I guess Kieran's very empathetic because of his experiences, but I think Kim is on just another level that we've only really brushed the surface of, like in episode 77. I think Kim underst- should understand why Lauren had to keep it a secret, especially since Kim is the reason Lauren had to keep it a secret. People were trying to figure out who Loon was and their identities would have been compromised if Kim was successful. So Kim has, I don't think Kim on a professional level at least, has any right to be mad at Lauren because Kim was literally supposed to find out the identities of Loon and tell Herman. And so Kim should understand why Lauren would not want that. Yeah. And then on a friend base level, I guess Kim would be, I guess Kim would be a little bit upset that Lauren didn't tell her because they are supposed to be friends. But again, Kim is also smart enough to recognize that if anyone knew about um, what Lauren was doing, then it could compromise the whole mission. So the secrecy of Loon was crucial for Loon to continue to operate in peace and with um, the privacy that they needed. Yeah. And on the other hand of that, as far as Will's concerned, I do think he's going to feel betrayed. And I don't oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> well, he is not going to react well. In fact, Kieran might have to, you know, knock him out for a minute. So that way, you know, it can get him out of there quietly. <laughs> Ironically enough, 
I actually thought it would be Kim who would knock Will out because it's going to be heartbreaking, but I think Kim is going to panic when she gets it confirmed that Lauren is Loon. She's going to remember the conversation that she and Will had in um, 63 where Will said that he would turn Loon in. And I think she's going to panic and um, she's going to uh, knock him unconscious. I don't, I don't know, know what, what's going to happen, but I for yeah. sure agree that Will is not capable of assimilating the gray, you know, the moral gray. Will is black and white. Will is rigid. Will goes by the rules. I don't think Will can handle it at all. But on the bright side, he and Karen have had bonding. They did karaoke together, so there is hope. <laughs> I don't yeah. think they had bonding. I don't think at all. Like, oh, I think yeah. that it wasn't very. It was kind of superficial, right? They were just oh, yeah, doing no, it at work, and they were forced. They were forced to do it because of Kim and Lauren. <laughs> yeah, I don't see it. I don't think that they've developed any relationship. No, Whew. I think it was kind of funny today. People were people were like, "What do you think?" Kieran and Will are doing and I remember one person um Solis she said uh Kieran is yeeting Will and I was like they're making it out <laughs> just to throw it in there <laughs> yeah, oh, I mean, well. presumably Will is just walking a little slower than Kim mm-hmm. oh my gosh Okay, guys, how anxious are we on a scale of one to 10 for next week? <laughs> Wait, next week on the graph is supposed to be a little bit less anxiety inducing. I don't know how. I've numbed myself to it. <laughs> I am, I just ordered a bunch of actually new books. So I will be reading and forgetting about which day of the week it is. So I can't do that. <sighs> Whew. I wish I could read, but I could read only on Saturdays. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I am like or highly working. stressed. What? Or working. I'll just work until next Monday. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Man. Also, oh. oh, I want to like just go back to the episode for a minute because I'm just like looking at these panels and the art in this episode is consistently good. Like from the rain scenes, like the water there, and then the line art was amazing and um you know in the factory and then the red and the action in this episode the way it's framed is and I like you know that panel of Lauren about to punch Kim it's beautifully composed the entire um almost fight scene between them is gorgeous and just the lighting on it top tier quality like oh beautiful the music yeah we never discussed the music oh my but hello like heart pounding music actually played for me for once it was oh playing because usually it doesn't play for me but for once and i was so happy it's amazing it's, i, I, I mean it's like the music so hmm? i couldn't play the music we and when i read the chapter my husband watching a finale of a show been watching like i tuned out of a finale of a tv show finale i completely missed a quarter of that episode to, to wow. read the chapter of <laughs> Purple Eyes and, mm-hmm. and I had to mute it otherwise he'd know I wasn't watching so <laughs> wow that's a lot I'm surprised he didn't like see you on your phone well I was 
curled up in blankets with like you know that like kind of cuddled back kind of look lean back kind of thing so I mean <laughs> he focused on whatever what was going on with the show and I was just like mm. well <laughs> hilarious yeah it's funny because it used to be like I would watch movies to relax and now I don't watch movies anymore I just read webtoons <sighs> but, but yeah I'm this felt like a movie hmm? so down for next week I can't wait yeah Tuesday tomorrow will be Wednesday so Woo! yeah and then Wednesday is almost Thursday which is almost Friday which is <laughs> yeah you get the point it's kind of a week work Mindy <laughs> yeah hmm. okay so I um want to go grade I have to go grade it's more accurate so what do we um want to say and about the ending like what do we how do we want to end the episode off any final thoughts I don't think it's going to be bad. Scene, I think favorite panel because I have a favorite panel. Y'all, you want to do that? Um, probably Kim's face. Okay. okay. At the very end, mm-hmm. like that panel of Kim. Then there's the panel of Lauren, but I think it's way more impactful for Kim. This scene, so definitely that panel of Kim. It's beautiful. It captures everything just amazingly, and I love it so much. My favorite panel is definitely the telephone box with Kim kind of snuggled in the back there. And <laughs> oh, that was good. That was good. <laughs> I love that panel. And also that I'm like smushed in the back of the police car. <laughs> My favorite panel is definitely the low five for sure. <laughs> I love it. I would pick the oh, low five, but I feel like that would be too predictable for me. So. <laughs> I don't mind being predictable. <laughs> Also the, the panel where Lauren is about to punch him because the action in that panel mm-hmm. magnificent yep <laughs> all right ladies we will see each other next week and we will see what happens <laughs> thank you for having us <laughs> bye good day good night <laughs> Thank you to all my current patrons, Susie, Lady Libris, Alley Cat, Lily, Jenny, Haley, One and Only Taco, Elizabeth, Maria, Molly, Veronica, Emily, Emily, Joe Rochelle, Dahlia, Saucy Tuggles, Meg, Ann Rose, Priya, Alex, and Misty. Your support is appreciated. (laughs) 